Hello and welcome to this new edition of the Fuji Podcast. In this episode, we're going to use Java for web user interface development. Welcome to the Fuji Podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. When starting to build a new website, you're facing a major challenge. Which framework should you use? Angular, React, Vue, Svelte? They're all based on JavaScript and can be the right choice depending on your needs. But do you really need one of these frameworks? Why would you not just stick to Java and use one of the many great libraries that are available for it? Let's talk about it with these guests. Hi, I'm Martijn Dasworst. I'm um, a Java head since 2001, I think, <laughs> if I can remember correctly. Um, you probably know me from uh, Apache Wicket, which is uh, a Java web framework and uh, one of the reasons that I'm uh, joining this podcast. Hey, my name is Marcus Helberg. I work at Vaadin, leading our developer relations team. Been a Java developer for over 20 years now, always in this intersection of web and Java. So very much excited for today's talk. Thanks for joining. I'm Frank Laporte, the producer of this uh, Fuji podcast. I have a history in uh, JavaFix, a bit of Vaadin, a bit of Timeleaf, a bit of, yeah, all things related to Java and, and web development. And I don't really love JavaScript frameworks, but let that be a side note. Um, so we have a few frameworks here in uh, in, the, in the conversation. Let's start with what you're known for, Martin. That's Wicked from your side. What's your history in Wicked? What can you do with it? What should we know about it? So Apache Wicked is a server-side component-oriented web framework. It's Apache licensed. That's something we must say from the Apache Software Foundation, of course. Um, it's server-side. Uh, that means that we render HTML from the server back to the client. Um, it's a stateful component framework. So you build your user interface, your web front-end using server-side components like a button or a panel or a page or something like that, and you emit HTML from that. It's um, available since 2004, somewhere in August, I think, that we discovered it, and we it got thrown into our lab by the, uh, the maintainer at that time, Jonathan Locke. And um, our company uh, figured that this was actually the uh, best web framework for developing very complex web applications at the time. We ran into issues with back button support and uh, multi-tabs and uh, uh, generally maintaining state across requests. And Wicked was the um, the best framework at that time for, to, uh, to accommodate such uh, use cases for us. We, we kept developing the framework uh, together with the open source communities uh, that, uh, that that joined joined us. Um, and in 2007, we joined the Apache Software Foundation as a uh, as a project, and uh, it's been growing ever since. Marcus, Baden, from your side, what can you share about that? Yeah, I mean, really fun to listen to Martin explain the the kind of history of Wicked because it's there's a lot of similarities. So Baden also got started very much in that same era. Our founders were building a healthcare application online. And this was like way back in the Wild West days of front-end development where every browser had their very own take on how standards should be implemented if there were any standards at all. So uh, what we ended up doing is building a also a server-driven component-based uh, framework. There are some definitely some differences between how Wicked and Vaadin works, but there are a lot of similarities in the underlying kind of philosophy. So uh, in our case, there was a lot of, I think, kind of influence taken from more of a, how do, how do you build desktop applications with something like Swing? And the programming model resembles quite a lot of like that. So you have different types of layouts and you put components in there. So there are no like HTML templates that are involved in building the UI, but again, you listen for events and and stuff. Over the years, uh, a lot of, has changed, obviously, in, in the web world. Since 2001, I believe our first version came out. And the architecture that we have, where you have a pretty stable Java API, where it's a high level of abstraction, you're talking about a button or a horizontal layout or something like that. 
the concept doesn't change all that much over time, but how we've implemented that in the browser over the years has changed quite a lot from being like XSL transforms to to our first own home-baked Ajax adapter, I think we called it back in the day where where we essentially tried to like, well, how if how could we just like update the parts that actually need updating at any given moment to deciding like, uh, this is quite a lot of work for like 10, 15 people we were back then to, well, let's let's use Google Web Toolkit since they're solving that part of the problem and let's use that for building the browser part of it. And then in the past five, seven years, we've moved the front end of the application or the kind of component implementations themselves to use web components, which is a W3C standard for defining actual components that are just custom HTML elements running in the browser. But throughout this whole history, the server-side API, the kind of high-level abstraction that developers are using has remained pretty similar. So that allows our users, which tend to be more businesses building long-lived applications, have a more kind of stable API for building web applications. You said, yeah, it's stable. It resembles a bit Swing. I have a background in Java VIX. It feels a bit indeed like building desktop application Java VIX, but then for the browser. It's yeah. a bit same, same feeling that you get. Um, how should we explain the service side of it? So a lot of JavaScript developers, they just think about JSON being pushed to a client running in the web browser and then JavaScript doing a lot of stuff on the client side. What mm -hmm. frameworks are doing is actually bringing that back to the server. And I, I want to maybe just highlight that if if you have been following Vaadin, you'll know that we have two web frameworks right now. One is called Vaadinflow, which is what we're talking about now. We do also have a a separate framework called Hilla, which essentially takes a React front end and uh, Java backend and it gives you like type safe uh, communication between them. That's not what we're talking about today, since we're specifically based on Frank's requests we're talking about how do you how do you build web apps without touching javascript so we're focusing fully on vanflow and how to do that so in our case uh the way this works is that the components and the state live on the server and you can think of the browser more as a kind of a thin client that just displays that state at any given moment so in our case if something changes the server knows like what is the delta of what changed between the last time something got rendered on the browser and now and then it just sends up a small instruction saying like well update that text there and kind of maybe put some new items in the grid and so on so it tries to kind of optimize what's getting sent over the wire at any given moment so you as a developer don't need to figure out like what's the most efficient way of sending these updates to the browser and rendering the dom updates accordingly you can just listen for a button click event kind of call whatever java services you need like even if there are several services you need to call and kind of put together whatever data you need, and then the framework will figure out, well, these are the five things we need to send over to the browser to to make that happen. That's with the same approach for Wicked. We have, uh, we just render HTML directly. Um, so, or either partial HTML or full page HTMLs. Um, and Wicked, um, parses the URL that's uh, that's called on the server and directs that to a page and the corresponding component instance that's uh, listening to that event. So, for instance, if you click on a link on a page, then Wicked will retrieve the page that, where the link resides on and then invokes the on-click ha uh, on handler. And then you just do your data manipulations on the server side um, and then tell Wicked to either render the same page, in which case you don't have to do anything, Wicked's default state is to render the current page, or redirect uh, to another page and then uh, render that one with the modified data. And then uh, Wicked just emits the uh, the, the new HTML. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, uh, Wim de Blow would also join this podcast, but he had to cancel last minute. Uh, Wim de Blow, uh, people may know him from a few books he has written about PineWeave. Uh, and HTML. Timeleaf, uh, I think a lot of people know that from Spring, if they are building some web uh, UI with Spring. I know that Spring and Vaadin also go well together. Um, 
how should I compare thyme leaf? Is that a bit of wicked? Is that a bit of faden? I don't know who of you can can compare it best. When I think of thyme leaf, I I think more like the uh, old struts-like uh, templating uh, web frameworks. So the Model Two frameworks from the early two thousands, um, with uh, modern um, uh, servlet application specifications and uh, and, and such. Um, Wicket also depends heavily on the servlet specification. So in that case, we we uh, look very similar. Um, what I think the difference mostly is is in the in the state management. Um, so um, binding the data to the templates and uh, and vice versa, uh, getting the data from uh, from the from the browser back into your uh, um, backend and uh, parsing that. I think there that's the biggest difference between uh, time leaf based or queued. That's in the the quarks variant of time leaf um, uh, templating languages. HTMX. It's the new kit on the block. I don't know if I can call it like that. Uh, so HTMX has a bit of different approach, like uh, compared to different uh, JavaScript frameworks where JSON is pushed. HTMX really pushes small snippets or larger snippets of full HTML, which just gets replaced on the client side. Yeah. Is something new or is this just an evolution of what's going on in frameworks? I, I mean, the idea behind HTMX has been around for a while. I think it's gained a lot of popularity. Like the, the guy behind it is very good at doing social media marketing. So he's excellent memes, <laughs> a lot of strong opinions has helped kind of uh, get his latest iteration out there. And I think it does uh, kind of, it, it does simplify if you are in a kind of a template driven framework like Timeleaf, where in the past, like you would have included, I don't know, like years past, maybe jQuery nowadays, maybe just plain JavaScript. But if you want to do like more fine grade updates to something or react a button, uh, click and update something. Like if you don't want to do a full page refresh, you had to kind of implement a lot of and invent a lot of infrastructure yourself. Uh, that's something that's kind of like both Wicked and Bottom Flow are on a higher level of abstraction and they're taking care of that for you. But if you're on like your tools in your toolbox are a template essentially, uh, you want to have something that allows you to do that more fine grained stuff and i think hdmx does offer a pretty kind of neat way of doing that without having to kind of jump into the deep end and start writing your own javascript especially if you're not a javascript developer and don't really know how to do that the correct way that said i think it seems like it's more kind of uh suited for if you have a mainly static web page and you want to have a few dynamic parts there Whereas I think both Wicked and Bottom seem to be targeting more of these really rich uh, applications where you have a lot of components and you you don't want to deal with small snippets and how you kind of uh, replace those in the DOM, but you want to have actual reusable components with APIs that you can interface. So I think there's a kind of a continuum of like kind of websites to web applications. And in, in our case, we're very kind of strongly in this like dynamic, rich, complex web application endpoint with Vaadin. Whereas I think HTMX is more towards the kind of dynamic website end of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. I like your comparison. Indeed, HTMX is very good in replacing some parts on your page. And that's a good use case for it. Um, what you said also about Timeleaf is correct. That's uh, so. Uh, Wim has written a book about Timeleaf plus HTMX. It has been reviewed on Fuji. Uh, I will add a link to the show notes where he indeed uses HTMX to improve Timeleaf. And the things you've had to do with 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 JavaScript can now be done again on the server side. So that that's a good. Mm. Back to Wicked, uh, you mentioned in the beginning, it's an Apache project. You had to mention it even, uh, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does it actually mean? Because Apache Foundation, it's a big name. Uh, what does this foundation actually do? Can you explain a bit about that? 
Sure, I hope I do it justice. Um, the Apache Foundation is about as old as I am, I think, <laughs> uh, even though I'm probably 20 years older. Um, the, the Apache Software Foundation was conceived to run, uh, to, to be an open source uh, foundation uh, for uh, for the HTTP server that runs the, uh, a lot of the internet. And um, in the early, uh, in the late nineties, uh, all those uh, server components started being developed like a uh, Apache Tomcat with uh, the servlet containers and uh, uh, adjacent technologies for uh, developing enterprise-like applications. And the, 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 those came uh, to the same group, the Apache group. I'm not sure how 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 they joined, but I probably they came from the, the the same group of developers that were busy working on HTTP server, and they said, "Oh, we, 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 this Java thing is really nice for writing server-side application uh, uh, servers, so let's use that." And um, so they, they it, it grew from from there. So it started with the Jakarta subproject, and that was a grouping project for all kinds of Java server-side uh, technologies. And um, when that grew too big, they split it out into a Tomcat sub-project and a logging, a logging project and uh, a, a commons co uh, lang and commons logging and, and, and such. And basically the, uh, the foundation provides a home uh, and a haven for open source projects that are Apache licensed. And they uh, provide services for creating and maintaining communities around your project. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of um, institutional knowledge about how you should create a meritocratic <laughs> uh, community um, where, well, if you if you work on the project, you get a say in the project. Basically, that's the that's the idea. So. Um, uh, uh, several projects also run on a different, uh, uh, in a different way. They, they call that the, the big data, uh, the benevolent dictator for life uh, structure. So that was uh, Guido from Rossum for Python and uh, uh, Linus Torvalds for 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 Linux. Um, and um, well, that's that's really good until that person is not uh, is not happy anymore, um, leaves the community or. Uh, starts acting uh, weird, and then, 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 then as a community, you are in in trouble. And the Apache Software Foundation tries to to mitigate that by giving a the whole community a, for the same voice, hmm. and that's a, that's a big difference for uh, between uh, the open source communities and yeah, it's uh, some communities thrive at Apache, others don't thrive there because they they, they are very dependent on a singular contributor. Or singular com company that contributes to a, to a project. Um, the the foundation is not for everybody. Um, you have to um, learn how to play by the rules of the uh, software the Apache Software Foundation. As the Wicked community, we were very much aligned to the community already, and we uh, we, we we really fit well there. But even we had to learn how to how to play, how how to find the rules, um, uh, to know how to act as a proper Apache project and such. And even today, I think we still have to learn uh, a couple of lessons there. <laughs> the funny thing from the Software Foundation is also that they um, have a termination process for projects that have um uh, lift their uh, lift, lift its life so they have a retirement uh, fund basically for for, <laughs> for projects as well so that's really good yeah uh, um so Vaden is also open source but should i call it a freemium project so you have the the free version you have the paid version which is completely different than an apache project correct well we, we call ourselves more of an open core model mm -hmm. so we are also apache 2 licensed uh, product we've been open source pretty much since the beginning of the project for mm -hmm. like 20 20 plus years at least and initially the way it all started out i think as with many companies is that we had consulting to kind of generate some 
money coming in so we could develop the product. And then over time, we've tried to kind of come up with more products that we can sell as opposed to just try to expand mm -hmm. our consulting side of, of things. So initially, those kind of added value products were specific components for things like charts or spreadsheets or things like that. But lately, it's and, and kind of where we're heading is more that we want to have everything in the core uh, free and open source or anything a kind of an individual or small team needs to build a full application. Whereas then what costs money is when you get to the more kind of enterprise needs. So if you need extended maintenance, you need support guarantees, you need to get something fixed with a fixed SLA or you need kind of these types of needs that kind of an individual developer might not ever have in their project, but a a business building a multi-year project and wanting to kind of know that, hey, we're we're building something that's very important for our company on this technology. And we want to make sure that we get kind of support from, from the company who is building this. So that's kind of how it, how it works. So the idea is to keep the core of the product fully featured and something that anyone in the open source community can build on for free. How can we know your frameworks? What famous websites or uh, tools are created with it? Well, if you're in the, in the Netherlands and you've been in the train and you wanted to uh, use the uh, Wi-Fi, the free Wi-Fi in the train, then you, uh, for a couple until a couple of years ago, you you got through a wicked portal uh, that uh, allowed you to log in and uh, accept the terms of service and that they monitor all your traffic and such. Um, if you're in Germany, the gmx.de uh, email provider was built. Uh, since 2007, I think, using Wicked. And uh, until recently, they, they, they ran their backend using Wicked. I'm not sure what they're running now on because I'm not a customer there. <laughs> um, and funny thing, in the, uh, in the beginning of Wicked in 2004, 2005, I think the first website that, that launched with Wicked was uh, meetmoi, meetmoi com and that was a dating service so we we, we, we jokingly told that uh, that the first date picker component was uh, was made with wicket um and for, for for if you travel to las vegas i think lasvegas.com is still run by wicket so if you book uh, uh, your vacation through lasvegas.com uh, part of the website is uh, is built with wicket mm-hmm. Is it correct that it's mostly used internally in companies or is it also? Yeah. Yeah. I think like the, the way like we're focusing really much on these like heavy duty components and kind of enterprise business use cases means that a lot of the usage is more internal facing. So we have, we have a lot of usage in kind of big industries um, like finance, healthcare, banks, logistics, all kinds of stuff. So there are huge companies running kind of their businesses on top of Odin apps, but they're not on the public internet where I could point you to <laughs> go and check this out. Um, there are like in, in smaller uh, scale, there are people building kind of front facing apps with one. I think a really fun recent example is one of our, one of our employees, Vesa made this dashboard in Finland where you can track like the, uh, electricity prices, like uh, in the past few years, that's been a big topic in, in Europe for <laughs> certain reasons, the electricity prices and a lot of fins are on, on this kind of a stock market pricing for electricity, where they're very interested in knowing how much mm-hmm. electricity is. So he's, he, he built the dashboard in, in modern flow, specifically the, the Java API, and he's, he's getting upwards of a hundred thousand unique people using that every month Whoa. with like several thousand concurrent users and he's so he, he's very very happy running that application and 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 that's kind of a fun fun kind of a showcase too because a lot of people do ask like hey you have this server side state will it will it scale and here, Vesa is running this on a 10 euro a month Hertzner server, and like with four or 5,000 concurrent users at a time with no issues, I think, for any 
for most internal facing applications, I don't think that's that's really a, mm-hmm. a big concern. It always tends to be the database or some other part of the application where the bottlenecks mm-hmm. surface before before the UI state becomes any kind of issue unless you're doing something like a simple mistake that you can fix. Mm-hmm. I have two examples I can add public facing to two little ones I created. <laughs> One is api.py4j.com, which is actually exposing the ports of a Raspberry Pi and it is running on a Raspberry Pi. So it is publicly nice. hosted uh, in a Czech uh, data center on a Raspberry Pi. And then my son had an, a wild idea of, of a video sharing website. And that's why I love Java with the good tools that are available and provided by the community and and, and companies like Vader can very easily create something. So for, for drums.media, I will add the links to the show notes, but they are really side projects of me and <laughs> they are created mm-hmm. with them because yeah. Things like like Vaden, Wicked, Timeleaf, uh, HTMX, they allow you to very easily create very good looking business quality applications in the website. And you don't require a very good knowledge of, of JavaScript because yeah, everything is managed in Java. And I think there are a lot of good Java developers who could be building these things and are not aware of these. Correct. Yeah. Well, sure. agreed. I, I mean, so, so much of the world runs on Java and there are so many great Java developers there who don't necessarily want to become full stack developers or front end developers, but they, they have a lot of interesting stuff that they're building that would benefit from being available for other people. And I think over the years, a lot of like modern usage has come from a certain person in a in an organization who is like more of a backend engineer or, or somebody who wouldn't traditionally be in a kind of a front end role who has just built a small utility for themselves and then somebody looks over their shoulder and like what hey, wait what what's that like how did you build that that's that's really cool <laughs> and like and, and that's how it kind of ends up spreading when people feel empowered like hey i as a java developer can build these really cool apps i don't need to try to explain my idea to some separate front end developer who completely misses the point and does it wrong. And then I, <laughs> I, I can just do it all myself. Mm-hmm. Responsiveness is also something I think you bring by default. So all these components are responsive and, and adjust to the right mm-hmm. insights. Yeah. Um, I'm also a big Java fix fan. I, I told you before, there are some technologies to make Java fix also a web development tool like JPro has something like that. Okay. But JavaFix never managed to become a Java a web technology. Did we miss something there or or was it not meant to be for the web? You have any idea about that? I think it was in the beginning it was tied to Java Web Start. Mm-hmm. And that required running uh Java on the client as well. And that, that 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 was a major hindrance in uh, adopt, adoption in the uh, enterprise world and especially in customer facing websites as well so uh, either you have to download java to, uh, and uh, to to be able to run uh, to 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 do, do interactions on that website or you just have html pages that are surfed out and that's that's way easier for 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 for, for acquiring new customers uh, as a business so I think that's that, that that was the 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 first nail in the coffin. I don't know <laughs> if if any any other nails got uh, got hammered into the coffin, but that that one didn't really didn't help in the adoption uh, in the in the first place. I think. Mm-hmm. I th- I think the same happened a bit with with uh, Flex Action Script. I, I'm from that generation. My first web applications were created with with flush and an action script and flex which then yeah at some point someone said i will never put a flash player on a tablet so <laughs> that technology <laughs> died really fast um how do we look at at, at current so we already mentioned htmx how should we look at web components is that something which we can do with java is that something we need JavaScript for? Can you explain a bit about that? Modern Flow does have an API where you can define web components in, in Java using the component API if you wanted to. 
I think as a as a technology, it's very well aligned with what we're trying to do, uh, which is provide a kind of a stable platform for building component-based UIs. So it took its long, sweet time to get standardized and actually implemented across browsers. But now that it is there, you kind of know that it's not going away anytime soon. Like we can still use the marquee element and all the good stuff from 25 years ago. <laughs> like once it's once it's there, it's there. So like uh, now that the kind of building blocks for creating your own HTML elements are there, it, it's a pretty stable platform for building those. And that's actually what allowed us to, uh, for instance, create Hilla, which uses React for the UI. We can use the exact same components from there without having to rewrite them and say three years from now, uh, there's an entirely new front-end framework. We could use, still use the same components, so we're not kind of in a in a situation where we need to kind of reinvent the wheels every so often just to kind of stay current, which helps us focus on more meaningful things in our, our in our lives. Is that something you can see it at between all these JavaScript frameworks that they are coming to some kind of standard with web components and they are aligning a bit? Uh, it's really like React has been one of the holdouts that hasn't had kind of first party support for web components because they have this virtual DOM that sits between the actual browser DOM and your UI code. But they even they announced this was last week or the week before. There's a very long-standing open ticket for adding custom element support. And they said that they're gonna ship that with React 19, which is the following major version, but I haven't seen any new frameworks coming out that wouldn't just support them because it's like not supporting them would say like you you don't support HTML, which is a, a weird place to be in, like if you're coming out with a new framework. Then one question specifically for Vaden. So you have a company which is built on top of the framework that you're providing. We had some mm -hmm. podcasts in the past about being an open source developer, how can you make money? How can you become rich by creating something? <laughs> um, I don't think that Apache is paying any of the contributors. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> Very disappointed, Martin. <laughs> um, so, Marcus, how difficult is it to sell licenses support for Vaden if... I think most developers say, but yeah, I can get it for free. So how uh, do you sell it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think we can kind of split this into two, like getting rich and having a company. <laughs> <We can> have, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that uh, I can only answer to the having a company, but yeah, I mean, uh, we, we touched on this earlier where we're really trying to kind of, we, we realized that the individual developer is not likely going to be the person who's going to pay for like our salaries and and kind of the company it's it's more like the value that we can provide for companies who are using it and that's a that's a small subset of the community and it's a very dev kind of dev led pipeline where developers find us they try it out they kind of convince themselves that this is a good thing and then say a year later when a project in our company starts up and they're like, hey, this would actually be a good good thing to use in our company thing, then their boss might be like, okay, seems good, but can we get support for it? Like if something goes wrong, who can I yell at? And like, what's the warranty like? And can we get this and that and that? And that's when they kind of reach out to us mm -hmm. and we can sell them uh, something to, that kind of is, is the main business driver. Mm -hmm. I think that's a bit the, the base story of, of Java itself, of the Open JDK. Again, you can just mm. get it for free, and if you want support, then you have to go to a specific company or, or one of the, the distributors. Um, what brings the future of your projects? Uh, so, Martin, you're not only working within the Wicked project, you're also involved in a lot of other projects. What brings? What will these projects bring to, to web development? I used to be pretty much involved with uh, Apache Wicked, but uh, currently, uh, for 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 our intents and purposes, it's it's feature complete. Um, 
I've been playing around with uh, HTMX for for a couple of uh, for months now, and I really enjoy the uh, way of working with the client side part of of that uh, of that library. And if I can find the time and the inspiration, I, I'd like to see if I can make a, a mashup between HTMX and Wicket. Wicket also has a nice uh, Ajax. Uh, framework for uh, updating individual parts of a, of a, of a page um, but it's limited in the uh, replacement strategies uh, in contrast to HTMX that can do an inner HTML outer HTML uh, prepend append and such and um, I'd love to 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 include that into uh, incorporate that into Wicket and uh, and see if we can make uh, the, the 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 collaboration between those two um, sites better. Mm -hmm. So the client side experience of Wicket development is hasn't been great because it was developed by uh, backend developers who needed to emit HTML and uh, oh uh, JavaScript was uh, was. Uh, uh, crazy stuff, and um, HTMX is also based on the same foundation that uh, JavaScript is uh, crazy stuff, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, attacks it from the uh, from the client side mm -hmm. um, and says, well, we don't care about the backend, and um, if it can uh, send HTML, then we can work with it. That's that's the HTMX story. So, and combining those two, that would be uh, would be really nice. Yeah, indeed, that's something we can add about HTMX that. It doesn't care if it's Java or whatever running on the server, as long as if it's uh, HTML that's received. But it's a bit the same thing with with frameworks using JSON, which comes from an API. So it's just yeah, mm. whatever yeah. is on the other side, it can push uh, new data. Uh, Marcus Faden, uh, there are a lot of evolutions there. I know there are regularly new versions. Uh, yeah. I think the split in Flow and Hila was also very recent. Correct. Yeah, and it's it's kind of an ongoing thing. So that happened more or less because we see a lot of companies are in a place where they they have front end talent and they have Java talent. And what we believe is that when you have a full stack team or kind of a team that is able to own a feature kind of end to end, they're able to kind of shape stuff faster because they are able to make decisions. There's less kind of communication delays and stuff. And we wanted to kind of offer a lot of the same benefits and functionalities that we've had in OneFlow for years for kind of organizations and teams that have a preference of building apps where they combine a kind of a client side framework front end with a, with a Java backend. What I'm really kind of excited about and what we have in the pipeline for the next few months is kind of taking advantage of the kind of unique position we're in where we're doing a full stack framework built on Java. So we're able to do a lot of functionality that would be very hard for just a front end only framework to to deliver. So I won't say exactly what all those things are, but keep an eye out and there are a lot of cool stuff. We're also hoping to roll out some really exciting developer tooling that will kind of help uh, speed up building one applications even even further. So I think in the next three to six months, you can expect to see a lot of cool new stuff rolling out from Vaden. We have to keep an eye on on, on the on the website of Vaden. I, I understand. Yeah. I, I mean of course there's a there's a challenge also to being an open source project. So if you go and dig too deep in our open source repos, you might get some ah, we might get some <laughs> good hints into what's what what's coming up there. <laughs> That's probably also a challenge your indeed open on GitHub. I have mm -hmm. created tickets and I think I even proposed a, uh, an improvement somewhere. So yeah, people can just see how your thing is created. They yeah, can... I mean, it's a good thing too. Like when we're thinking about a new feature or something, we can post an RFC and we can get community members involved po poking holes in, in, in our thinking before we start writing the code so that once we actually ship something, it's more likely to be kind of a little bit more thought through than if we had just sat in a chamber all by ourselves and just create thought something. of something. Mm -hmm. um, Martin, if I starting a new project, 
for which kind of project should I look to Wicked? What is the ideal use case? If you have a uh, application that needs to be secure, so you need to be able to um, authenticate and authorize um, individual components. So, for instance, if you have a, um, uh, I, I work in the education sector, and um, there are parts of uh, of the user interface that's uh, that should only be seen by the, by a uh, guidance counselor, but not the uh, normal teacher of a, of a student. So you can create a role for a guidance counselor and a role for uh, for a teacher. And you can uh, authorize the individual components that they are only visible for one or the other roles. And that kind of stuff is really good and easy to, uh, relatively easy to do because it's always complex, but uh, Wicked makes it uh, pretty pretty easy to, uh, to, to create such kinds of applications. If you have a really big complex application, um, I think Wicked shines if it's if it's large and you you need to build re reusable components uh, and you have a, a, a talented Java team, um, then the, then Wicked is a really good really good fit. Mm -hmm. uh, Marcus, you can sell that further now. <laughs> what yeah. should you need it for? I think there's a lot of overlap in what Martin just said and with us, which makes sense since there's a lot of kind of commonalities in where we're coming from. But yeah, we're specifically, we're trying to make it easier to build these complex business type of applications, uh, which means that we have a big library of UI components that go quite far beyond what you would find in like bootstrap or even like tailwind components. So like very fully featured data grids and charts and uh, things that allow you to deal with like lots and lots of data and form validations and all, all the kind of stuff that goes into building kind of meaningful uh, business applications. So that's really where Bond shines. It has the same similar kind of security aspects as Wicked since both share the kind of same server-driven philosophy where you can kind of by default, the architecture offers you a, a lot more security than running something in the browser where any developer can kind of inspect that more. So, so yeah, I, I think one thing that I'm really kind of stoked about, especially when we're talking about Java developers building web apps is the, we've kind of put a lot of effort into the UX side of things. So not only do our components look pretty nice, but they're all customizable with a kind of few CSS variables. So you can tune the colors and roundness and spacing and fonts that affect all the components in the framework so you you end up with something that looks pretty kind of cohesive and nice looking even if you're not a css designer by trade or ever even want to be one is that a bit difference between wicked and vaden the set of components that are available i think so i think that uh, wicked wicked itself doesn't ship with a component library uh, it has some components but they are uh, really html um, uh, bindings so we have a link or a bookmarkable uh, page link or a form or uh, a text field or something like that, but we don't have any styling uh, associated with those, those components. You still have to define your own markup. And I think that's, uh, if you have a, uh, a talented designer or if you want to use Bootstrap uh, for, for as a uh, client-side component library, um, or client-side user interface library, there's there are uh, frameworks uh, or um, uh, extensions for Wicked that that, that allow you to create uh, components using that. In my personal experience, I typically just build HTML pages and uh, attach Wicked functionality to those uh, things, like a Bootstrap model or a Bootstrap form or a Bootstrap uh, text inputs or something like that and build from there instead of building a huge component library. So that makes it gives more flexibility in uh, in how you construct your HTML and uh, and use client-side uh, functionality like CSS and, uh, and JavaScript libraries. 
Okay, I think we found the difference between Wicked and Valen. Then, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I think I think that's still possible to do with Valen, but then you're in a path that's not the golden path of Valen uh, usage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think if you if you want to have that much kind of control over the DOM that's getting output, then the Hilla framework might be more kind of optimal for that. So yeah, yeah I think there we agree. Mm -hmm, I see. Um, if you go to, I think it's start.vaden.com, I don't oh. know, sure. Yes, uh, then you can create a full Maven project that gets you started very quickly with Vaden. And uh, that's built based on Spring. Do you need to combine Vaden with Spring? Or can you use it? No, no, you can you can use it on like Jakarta or even plain Servlet mm -hmm. or Quarkus. Uh, Hilla currently is uh, kind of specifically built for Spring Boot because we're we wanted to start with a narrow focus and kind of iterate quick on the idea. And if we tried to support all the all the backend technologies at once, that would make us slower moving mm -hmm. forward. But but yeah, if you want to build with one flow, you can. There's if you go to start.one.com, there's a there's a selector there where you can download. Kind of hello world projects with any any of the supported stacks. Can you share? Uh, maybe we can already conclude a bit. Can you share what people should visit? What website they should look at to learn more about your project? Maybe other projects that are interesting, if they want to do uh, Java web development. Well, it's of course wicked.apache.org. Um, it's unfortunate that he chose the wicked name in in uh, because now the uh, cricket term is uh, overruling uh, the uh, Google alerts. Um, but uh, wicked.apache.org, that's our uh, homepage. Uh, it's currently running version nine. I think in the coming two weeks or something like that, we'll we release uh, version ten. Um, on the front page, there's also a built with Wicked Tumblr, so you can see what kinds kinds of websites were built, and some are publicly facing, others are not. Um, there's a pretty good reference guide for Wicked uh, that explains all the components and the subparts, and it's part of the wicked.apache.org website, um, and it's maintained with every release. It's really good. If you need to upgrade, we also have uh, pretty good uh, upgrade guides uh, available with all these the, the stuff that's changed between uh, major releases. So that's really good. And if you find a bug, it's, there's uh, always a, a Jura uh, issue tracker. Software, there are, there are always bugs. <laughs> <laughs> or you could complain on Twitter, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Marcus, for that, and where should people uh, start looking uh, Baden.com is a, a good place to start. You'll find links to all the other places you need. So there's a good good documentation there. There's the start com starter. If you want to kind of configure a custom starter, you can define what types of views you want and maybe configure the theme and, and stuff before you download it. Um, there's good documentation for all the components. You'll find it uh, on there. And yeah, if you want to, there are some showcases and stuff if you want to get more ideas of what types of apps and what types of industries are are using Vaadin. And of course, uh, I'd be probably thrown off this podcast if I didn't say that Fuji.io has a lot of nice Vaadin tutorials <laughs> as yeah. well. They're contributed by us and Simon Martinelli and, and other community members. You get one bonus point now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another project, just a side project from you is is uh, you have a docs uh, search Vaden application that you created to have to experiment yes. at GPT and searching through your docs. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that is actually coming to the official docs here very shortly. As long as we or or not that specific like prototype, but kind of a polished version based on that idea. So just a kind of a a different way of consuming the documentation kind of more able to ask questions and get some code snippets that are you know, kind of customized based on your query not just the generic ones that you find in the in the documentation it's it's a it's a difficult part me as a docs writer i also was experimenting a bit with this and searching through your own docs with chat mm -hmm. based systems but 
it's a bit of a nightmare if you see all the the stories on Twitter of companies introducing this and then suddenly their own chat system turns against the same company it's working for. <laughs> yeah. so, it was uh, as a as a docs writer. It was quite interesting when I first started creating it, and I fed it our documentation, started talking with it. And sometimes it's like, why is it saying this? And then I went to the docs, and it's like, sure enough, it it did exactly say that somewhere in our documentation. <laughs> it like helped me uncover some weirdness, or if it wasn't able to answer some question, it was a really good kind of kind of a. A hint that there's something that we've forgotten to mention in our documentation. We've it's something that we've thought is so self-evident that we don't even need to write it. But then it's good at kind of mimicking a complete newbie in that sense. Like <laughs> if it doesn't if it's not able to figure it out using your docs, that's probably a good indication that there's something missing from the documentation as well. I will be giving a presentation at FOSDEM in two weeks about this topic searching through okay. your chat and that's that's the only message i will leave that i use it to find the missing parts in our documentation with <laughs> 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 this public yet the search machine but uh it's a nice experiment yeah. and uh indeed it's uh something you shared i think on on github i can maybe add it also yeah. to the show notes yeah okay i think we can conclude is there something missing that i didn't ask you that you still want to share just Remember to to follow up, kind of follow Vaadin on Twitter or GitHub or wherever you like to follow things. And we'll have a lot of interesting stuff coming out in the next few months. Mm -hmm. And also Wicked is preparing a new release, I heard. Yes. So people should keep an eye on, on both the websites. Uh, also, uh, Timeleaf is still there. HTMix is still there. So there are different tools you can use to create uh, web UIs uh, with Java uh, and invite people to experiment. I think that's that's the most important lesson. Uh, there are several tools available there and definitely one for you use case. And uh, just be that person within the company that says, we can do this with Java. We don't need yet another <laughs> JavaScript framework and we can build it with, with pure Java. Okay. Uh, thanks for joining this podcast. Thank you for your time and, and your sharing your knowledge and uh, talking about your project. Also, thank you to the listeners of this uh, episode. Keep an eye on Fuji for future articles and podcasts about development and everything related to the Java world. Thanks a lot. Give me a foo, give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.